All right, if you would, open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 1. I want to run through a couple things that we've gone through. So I don't want to start in the weeds on the guilt offering. Uh, I want to lay a little groundwork. We've covered these various different sacrifices that exist in the Old Testament. And what's interesting about these sacrifices is each one of these sacrifices, we see them mirrored in the New Testament in one respect or another, many of which are in Christ, some of which are in our dedication. And so when we're looking through the various different sacrifices, in Leviticus chapter 1, it covers the burnt offering. And that burnt offering literally means that which goes up or is burned up. The Septuagint translates the burnt offering as holocaust, which is interesting to me. And so that burnt offering... um, Uh, as it's going up. The second chapter is the grain offering or the cereal offering, depending on which translation you had. Carlton covered that with us, and uh, we looked uh, specifically at uh, that offering. Now, that is, um, that's the only sacrifice here in these first five chapters of Leviticus that cover um, something other than an animal sacrifice. Now, we did cover uh, Hiram two weeks ago, discuss the uh, the wave, heap, um, and uh, drink offering. And um, chapter 3, we see the peace offering. Chapter 4, you get to the sin offering. And chapter 5, you get to the guilt offering. Now, what's interesting is, as I was studying through this, I read the chapters, or this, this section here of Scripture that I could find that addresses the trespass offering. And what I found was, is... Um, it's kind of intermingled oftentimes with the sin offering. And so when you look at what, as you're laying these grounds, the first three, the first three sacrifices, the burn offering, the cereal, or the meal offering, and the peace offering, these are consecration sacrifices. So what these sacrifices are for, really, they're voluntary, um, they're spontaneous in nature um, in many instances. Um, sometimes they're prescribed, but they're spontaneous. Um, They're offered to God in an act of praise or in an act of thanksgiving. So what they're doing is, so this, whether it be the burnt offering or the meal offering or the peace offering, these are thank you, Lord. These are praise the Lord. These are um, uh, voluntary sacrifices that are offered to God in praise and thanksgiving. The last two that we covered, so the sin offering, which John Allen covered, and then I have the... um, The guilt offering, these last two are explicitly for sin and its forgiveness. That's the purpose of the sin and the guilt offering is for sin and its forgiveness. Those first three, that's not what it's for. And so what's interesting is as I was looking through the text here and I wanted to find some background information, I looked at about seven or eight books. And what's interesting is is I saw about seven or eight different takes on what the guilt offering is, which made me feel really good as I was um, going through this study, that seven or eight different people who have written different books had different positions on it. Um, but I'll give you what, uh, what my understanding is. Um, but these last two are, and this is a, uh, this is a word that we don't use very often, um, but it would be um, expiation or expiatory, which means to make amends or reparation. That's a type of sacrifice that you're repairing or you're making amends or you're repairing uh, the... Um, relationship with someone, or the other one is propitiation, which we see in the New Testament mentioned several times, Jesus being the propitiation, and we'll look at that when we get to the New Testament portion, but propitiation means, and it, it has two, two separate uh, 
kind of put together. It's an appeasing, and the second part of it is um, almost a, um, a reparation for wrong. And so you're making, you're, you're appeasing what the problem was, they're appeasing wrath, and you're fixing what is broken, and expiation is more of you're making repayment. Okay, and so that's kind of, so kind of keep those two thoughts in mind as we go through and so really what I want us to do is um, I want us to look at the Old Testament purpose initially of what the guilt offering is. And by looking at what the Old Testament purpose of the guilt offering is and how it is, and we'll go through the text and see what's actually happening. And then I want us to look at the New Testament application of how that applies to us. Because when you look at the Jews lost in the wilderness, you know, they're, wa- they're wandering in the wilderness, but then you see you know, we're in the wilderness of sin. You have, you, you have all of these types and anti-types. You have all these shadows from the Old Testament that are coming forward. And God is painting this picture for us over and over. And that's what he's doing here. So when we look at the guilt sacrifice, it's applicable to us today. Not in that we have to do this guilt sacrifice, but that you, you'll, see how, you'll see how it applies. I don't get that. So the guilt sacrifice in the Old Testament, I speak no Hebrew. I copied this out of a book. And, it's, and uh, it's called Asham, A-S-H-A-M. It's actually only four letters uh, uh, in, the, um, in the Hebrew. Uh, so there's no vowels there. I don't know. I'm not sure how that works together. But anyways, I looked up that word, and it means guilt. It's translated guilt, offense, sin, compensation for offense, trespass, or sin offering. And it's used 40 times, over 40 times, 40-some times, in the Old Testament. And so it's not a concept that's for. Now I'll tell you that when I, when I was assigned the guilt offering, I thought I'm not even really sure what a guilt offering specifically is um, or a trespass offering. And really that's just depending on what your translation is, those are the two. Now the guilt offering is very similar to the sin offering. I kind of uh, joked with John Allen and I said, don't, don't, don't teach my lesson. Because the, while the guilt offering and the sin offering are two separate offerings, um, they're very closely related. And sometimes it's difficult to discern between the two because they both result in forgiveness of sins. They're both restoring your relationship with God. They're, they have very much similar nature, but there's one thing that I've identified that's different between the two. And so what's, what's happening is, um, in fact, look at Leviticus 7.37 and you'll see where they're mentioned side by side. In Leviticus 7.37, you'll see this is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering or the guilt offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering. And so he's going through and listing all these different. So it's separate. There is definitely a difference between the trespass and the sin offering. And so what the concept that's going on here surrounds justice that's what, that's what is driving this. Because when you think about the nature of God, if we don't understand the nature of God, then we're not going to understand why things are set up the way they're set up. And we're going to have a misunderstanding of how we should behave and why he does the things he does and why we should do the things we do. So God is a all-holy God. All right? So we have in 1 John, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God cannot have fellowship with darkness He cannot have fellowship with evil. All right, so let's take that holiness and set that over here for a moment. God is also a God of love and grace and mercy. 
right? And so he is all gracious. And we see that in the sacrifice that he gave at his own son. And we have all these examples of God being all gracious. But God cannot overlook sin because God is also a God of justice. And because God is a God of justice, if he overlooks sin and said, ah, I'm not worried about it, no big deal, well, then he wouldn't be all just, which means he would not be right, and then that would also affect his holiness. So you have to see the, the concept of who God is. He's all holy, he's all loving, and he's all just, okay? Now, that's not the only three uh, characteristics of him, but I want those three to keep in mind. So as we think about God's justice, when we sin, and we're going to look at the sin specifically prescribed here, when we sin, there is a violation of law. We have violated the law of God. We have trespassed against Him. We have walked in a disorderly fashion. We are no longer with God. And so there is a wrong that has to be righted. It has to be righted. And so that broken law has to be honored. The sin has to be expiated. The sin has to be repaired or made amends for. And it's done so in the Old Testament in part by a guilt offering. But there are certain types of sins or categories of sins, as I've identified, uh, as I understand, on what differentiates a guilt offering from a sin offering and why it actually makes it any, why it's of any importance to you. So here's, I wrote down two statements here, what I believe. I believe that the sin offering requires repentance, confession, and sacrifice, but there is no mention of restitution with respect to the sin offering. Okay, so with the sin offering, it is, again, and you think about that, repentance, confession, and sacrifice. Well, let me ask you a question. If you, as you sin, right, there are some sins, if I steal Jim's truck, right, if I steal Jim's truck, my repentance is going to require me to return Jim's truck back to him, right? But if I, if I neglect the worship of the saints, if I don't pray to God, if I'm thinking thoughts that I should not be thinking, or those kind of things, right? I can't repay God for that sin. There's not an amount of money. How much money do I need to write out for the lie that I told, right? I cannot. So in some things, I cannot make those kind of restitution because of the nature of the sin. And I think that's the difference here. So my two statements were, the sin offering is repentance, confession, and sacrifice, and the guilt offering is exactly the same, repentance, confession, and sacrifice, but it also requires restitution of some poor. And so we're going to look at specifically what those are um, in the text. So let's go right to Leviticus chapter 5, which is where we're finishing up. So in Leviticus chapter 4, we have the sin offering, and we are not going to spend time on the sin offering. But when we get to Leviticus chapter 5, my title says the trespass offering. What's interesting is... Trespass has yet to be mentioned uh, in the book of Leviticus until verse 6. So my title tells me it starts in chapter, in chapter 5, verse 1. I'm not sure where it starts exactly, but I know it starts before that. So let's read for just a moment, and you'll see why there's a little bit of confusion. So in chapter 5, verse 1, If a person sins in the hearing or utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. If a person touches any unclean thing, whether it's the carcass of an unclean beast, unclean livestock, unclean creeping things, any of these things, and he is unaware of it. Now, there's an element of awareness here that we're going to look at, which I think is very uh, um, interesting as well. So you're going to see these guys are, he's unaware of it, or he's not known. Um, he shall be unclean and guilty. 
Verse 3, if he touches human uncleanness, whatever that uncleanness is, the man's defiled and, he's un and he is unaware of it. When he realizes it, he shall be guilty. Verse 4, or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips, no one's ever done that before, to do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man um, may pronounce by an oath and, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, he shall be guilty in any of these matters. And it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters, verses 1 through 5, he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering. Yeah, all right. Yours may say guilt offering. Trespass offering is the version that I'm using, so I'm just going to stick with that. Trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed. And then it starts to tell you what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to offer a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats, as a sin offering. Well, wait a minute, we were just talking about a trespass offering. So in the same verse, here's where the confusion comes. In verse 6, he shall bring his trespass offerings to the Lord for his sin, which he's committed. And then it says, he, it tells what a, a, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats, as a sin offering. Well, I thought we were talking about a guilt offering. So there's some, that's what makes it a little difficult because they're tied in sometimes. And I can't tell you why those two are coupled together in verse 6. Now in verse 7, it talks about for someone who cannot afford to bring that. So you might have someone who's very poor and can't afford to give a whole lamb. Right? I may not have a whole lamb to give. So instead, all right, if he's not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass same exact word there i have them all highlighted in my bible so that same trespass which he has committed he can bring two turtle doves or two pigeons one as a sin offering and the other as a burn offering wait a minute we said trespass and then it says one is a sin offering and one is a burnt offering <coughs> so i've got three sacrifices going in one verse all at the same time which causes some confusion and so People will conflate the two together. And I'll tell you, it was difficult. But here's, here's, what I've, here's what I've noticed. In verse 1, here's what they are. I think they're categorized into two groups. The first group is sins against man. In chapter 5, verse 1, sins against man. The first one is regarding the witness of an oath. The second one is, this, uh, verses 2 and 3, are the touching of an unclean thing. Verse 4 is referring to thoughtless oaths. And so uh, you notice he confesses that he sins, and if a trespass offering, then he give, if, if this is talking about a trespass offering in, ver in chapter 5 here in these first five verses, then what it's saying is, is that then there is a provision for the poor to select a sacrifice that they can't afford, and that's outlined in verses 6 and 7. Now, I think it also could be the sin offering that's being talked about here, because as we sin, as we trespass God's commands, so I think sometimes there's some interchangeable language that's being used here. Now, it does say trespass offering, but I, I think there's some relation. Now, if you continue on reading, and what we'll do is we'll skip all the way over um, to uh, chapter 6. Well, actually, you can look at uh, chapter... Yeah, let's do that. If you look at chapter 5... Verse 15, if a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord. Now, here's a sin against God, though, right? Um, uh, the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram 
Now, that's not a female lamb. That's not a kid. That's not to. It's prescribed a ram he's supposed to bring without blemish from the flocks with your valuation. Your valuation is your restitution, the money that you're going to pay in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary. That's the currency he's talking about, I believe, as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. And so it talks about that. Now, I, there are sins against man that are going on here. We'll go back to 515 in a moment. We'll go down to chapter 6, verse 1. In chapter 6, verse 1, these are more sins against man. In verse 1, the Lord says to Moses, saying, If a man sins and commits a trespass against the Lord... Wait, I thought we were talking about sins against man. We are. But sins against man are sins against the Lord. If I sin against Jim, I've sinned against not only Jim, but I've also sinned against the Lord. If I sin against my wife, I've sinned against her, and I've also sinned against the Lord. If you remember, remember when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, and she says, lie with me, and he says, how can I commit this great sin against the Lord, right? So it, was he sinning against Potiphar if he would have done that? Yeah, you betcha he would have, right? Would he have been sinning against God in doing that? Yes, absolutely. And so here, verse chapter 6, verse one, 2 says, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord, show me how I committed trespass against the Lord, by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he's extorted from his neighbor. Now remember those other ones we were talking about unintentional. These things sound unintentional to you. Sound, sound pretty intentional to me, right? It's kind of hard for me to extort money from somebody unintentionally, right? And so verse, verse 3, Or if he has found what is lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen. When you see that restore, that is restitution. Restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping. In other words, give it back. You steal somebody's car, you give it back. You take some money from somebody, you give it back. That's the concept that's being taught here to them. And so verse 2 is lying to the neighbor, pledge, robbery, extortion. Verse 3, stealing, false swearing. And in verse 5, he is to restore the full value, it says, and to add... He says, or, or all that, in verse 5, or all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore to its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. So as he's making this trespass offering, in order for my trespass offering to expiate, the order for my trespass offering to atone for my sins, right? If I'm going to be reconciled with God and my sins are going to be taken care of in the old covenant, I'm going to have to make right this situation that I have here with Mick. I'm going to have to give him back those things that I stole, but not just give them back. There's a 20% penalty on top of this, one-fifth. So I steal 100 bucks, I owe him $120, and this is the requirement. And so I can't get away with just, I can do whatever I want. I have to make some restitution where it is, where I'm able to make restitution. Now, there's some other provision which I'm not going to spend time in because we're going to run way out of time. But it talks about what if Mick has died? What if there's no relatives of his? What do I do? There's a provision for that as well, but we're not going to spend time on that. 
Now there are sins against God, 5.15. If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things, we mentioned that, these unintentional things in regard to the Lord. And then it goes on to say, uh, the very specific, there is a ram plus the valuation, plus one-fifth, right? And that makes atonement, in verse 16, making atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven. So here I am, if I'm a Jew, and I'm making restitution for the harm, and I'm offering this uh, trespass sacrifice, and I'm giving it to the priest, the priest will make atonement for me with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be given to him, forgiven of him. So I'm forgiven if I give my, if I make pay my restitution, and I make the sacrifice as I'm told. Now there's also confession in there um, as we put all these things together. Um, but notice, as I mentioned earlier, and I got ahead of myself a little bit, in chapter 6, verse 2, sins against man are sins against God. So we can't just say, well, these are... Because some of the commentators were saying, these, the trespass offering only applies to man. Well, I don't think that's the case because 5.15 here talks about trespass against the Lord and has the 20% penalty and all those things. So that doesn't apply. And so I think that what it does is, is where you have taken, where you have stolen, where you have done something and you have something, and really it's stolen property in one sense or, or, or the other, you have to make restitution. You have to make that person whole in as much as you were able to make that person and as much as you can. In this instance, you're told pay it back plus 20%. That's a pretty hard toll, right? So here I am, I'm a poor person and I've stole $100. Right now I don't have that $100 anymore. And now I have to pay that $100. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me as a poor person in the Old Testament? I don't have enough money to make pay restitution to do the trespass offering in order to receive atonement for my sins. What do I do? How do I get that money? One of the things that were common in that era were people would sell themselves into servitude or slavery in order to pay off a debt. And then you would work for someone for a period of time, seven years, in order working off that debt that you owe. And so there was sacrifice on your part. If you're not sacrificing, well, and like I, I, David made the comment, I, how can I offer this to the Lord if it doesn't cost me anything? If it's not a sacrifice, it's not a sacrifice. Right? If it's, so like when we give of our funds, when we give of our money to the Lord on the first day of the week, if we're not sacrificing for the Lord, it's not a sacrifice. Zacchaeus. All right, so we're going to get to Zacchaeus. Don't get me too far ahead here. I've got I to gotta keep moving ahead. All right, so notice the specifics. All right, and so in verse 18, that ram is to be without blemish. Sound familiar with Jesus without blemish? Right, so a lamb without spot, without blemish, it's perfection. Right, and so you think about people who rob from God, because that's really what's going on in verse 5, 15 through 18. Someone's robbing from God. That's happened before, right? So if you remember a fellow by the name of Achan, here he is. They had just got through taking out Jericho. They're on their way to Ai, but old Achan decides he's going to take, oh, wedge of silver. Here's a garment. These things look nice. I'll take these for myself. No, they were supposed to go to the house of the Lord. That's the Lord's. He stole from the Lord, and the consequence for him not addressing that trespass before his judgment day came was death for him and his family. Yeah. Uh, when, you first, when you first saw it in the lesson, uh, we mentioned that your um, sin offering and your 
Oh, the, yeah, the difference between them was restitution. That's right. That's, what I, that's how I can delineate them, yeah. Right. That's right. Oh, in verse, in verse 6 and 7 where it tells you. So that was what I was saying. That's the one component. So if, if in verse if 5, 6, and 7 are talking about, because it talks about trespass, then it talks about sin, then it talks about burn, it mentions multiple sacrifices. If that, those verses there are talking about the trespass offering, then yeah, you could offer something lesser. You could offer whatever that you could afford. Now that was a provision in the sin offering. But it was, I don't see it, I don't think it's a provision in the trespass offering because over here in verse 15 it says it's specifically a ram that's being given. Over here in verse 5 or 6 it is a female lamb, that's not a ram, and that, and then, or a kid of the goats, again not a ram, and so you see that there's a, there's a difference there. So I'm not inclined to say for sure that that's a trespass offering. I just wanted to bring their attention to it that that could possibly be, and there could be a provision there in the trespass offering, but I'm not, I, I, I'm not 100% sure of that. Yeah, that, you mean the trespass offering. That's correct. So that's a trespass offering against, for the trespass against the Lord. That trespass offering requires restitution. And it also requires, in that instance, the priest determines how much money that you have to pay in that instance, which is interesting. And that's, that's discussed a little bit later. I'm, I'm going to run out of time. I've got to keep moving. Another example of robbing from God. Right, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 specifically talks about it. But I'll give you just a real quick synopsis if you haven't read Malachi in a while. Folks are saying, um, so uh, the prophet is talking to the people and said, um, uh, has convicted them and said, look, listen, you, you, you hate the Lord. And they say, how do we hate the Lord? We don't hate the Lord. And he said, listen, here's what you've done. You've offered up your lame and your maim and your weak sacrifices. You've not, offer them to your governor and see, give this, give this very poor effort to somebody else and see if they'll accept it. It's not acceptable. And when you do this, you're robbing from God, he says. And so if we don't give God our first fruits, if we don't give God our very best in our efforts, in our time, in our money, then we are in essence doing just exactly what those Jews were doing in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, robbing God. And so now I want you to keep that in mind as we look through the restitution component. All right, so then... Um, in Leviticus chapter 14, it talks about the process of the trespass offering and the signified cleaning. So there's specifically, if you're a leper, you're unclean. You have the trespass offering, here's what you do, and here's this purification process. I'm not going to go through that purification process, but it's an interesting note that they take the blood from the sacrifice and put it on the lobe and the thumb and the toe and these kind of things to sanctify or to signify um, cleansing. Now... In Leviticus chapter 9, what to, here's something I want us to pay attention to, and then we're going to go right into the New Testament because I'm not going to get enough time here. In Leviticus chapter 9, the order of the sacrifice, starting in verse 15, Aaron has initially made a sacrifice for himself. Um, uh, he sacrifices for himself so that he will be all right, and that's in verse 8. 
And then, all the way down in verse 15, listen to the order. The first sacrifice in 15 is the sin sacrifice. That's for atonement. All right? Then the second one is a burnt sacrifice. And that burnt sacrifice signifies God's dedication or God's commitment. So first you have to be right with the Lord, which is what that sin or the trespass offering, depending on the nature of the sin, right? So I'm taking care of the sin. I'm atoning for the sin initially. Now I'm in fellowship with God. Now that I'm in fellowship with God, now I'm going to have a burnt sacrifice signifying God's dedication and commitment. Thank you, Lord. There's a spontaneous praise. Then he offers the cereal or the meal offering, and that signifies God's perfect character. And then he has the peace offering, which signifies that they were thankful for the reestablishing of the peace between them or the fellowship or the communion with God. So what's happening is, those sacrifices in that very specific order start with restoration. I'm restoring my relationship with God, and then I'm rejoicing. If I'm not a Christian, if I'm not in a right relationship with God, my worship is in vain. Right? So they didn't do these other sacrifices beforehand because they would have been no effect. They're not in fellowship. God's, God's ear cannot hear. He is going to look away. He is going to turn away from us and not hear our prayers and not while we are in our state of rebellion from him. That's why that atonement is occurring there, whether it be a sacrifice, a sin, sacri sin, sin sacrifice, or whether it be a trespass offering or trespass sacrifice. Now, something that I found really peculiar was the issue of intent or awareness. I'm not going to read the verses, but if you want to write them down or mark them, I'm just going to go through them quickly. But in chapter 5, verses 2, 3, and 4, all talk about someone being unaware of the sin. Chapter 5, verse 15 says, unintentional sin. Chapter 5, verse 17 says, knows not of it, right? And so all these things are unintentional. And so you'd think, well, the trespass offering is only for accidental sin, unintentional sin. Until you get down to chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, which we read a little bit ago, all those sins that I commit against my, where I'm lying and stealing and extorting, um, those are pretty uh, intentional to me. And so as I look at it, I think the parallel in the New Testament is in Hebrews chapter... Um, there's two of them. I, I want to read a statement that I have here that I copied. Sacrificial atonement is barred to the unrepentant sinner. So someone who is willingly engaging in sin, I'm not, just offering a sacrifice isn't going to do it. You must be a repentant sinner. And that's true for us, right? I can force dunk somebody underwater, but that's all that did was just get them wet, right? It's not, and, and here's another statement, it is not the deliberate sinner who is excluded from sacrificial expiation or basically um, making atonement, but the unrepentant sinner. So it's someone who doesn't want to do things, so it's not just going through the actions. So in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, it talks about, let's turn there if we would, because I want to I move to the New Testament to talk a little bit for as the time permits. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, read Christian, and have tasted the heavenly gift, read Christian, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, check, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, so if you're a Christian, and if they fall away, it was impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So does that mean if I sin that I'm lost for good? Is that what that's talking about? 
Well, we know that it's the reason why it's impossible uh, for that is because they're putting Christ in open. In other words, if I if I turn my back on the only path I have to forgiveness, well, then I'm lost. It's impossible for me to come back because I've I've turned it. Go over to Hebrews chapter ten. Not yet, Bobby. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Let me ask a question. Everybody in here, you receive some knowledge of truth from the Bible? Anybody in here ever sin after that? Mm-hmm. And so Hebrews chapter 10, for if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation uh, of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. And so... Here's what's going on. You're seeing that if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, like this isn't me, this isn't a mistake. This isn't, this isn't, um, this isn't me stumbling along the way. This is me choosing to turn my back on God. And if I'm unwilling to repent, there no longer remains a sacrifice. If I'm unwilling to go back, there no longer remains a sacrifice. And with that guilt offering, if I'm unwilling to make it right... There no longer remains a, a, a sacrifice. So the absence of confession or the absence of contrition, in other words, like I'm sorry about this, it prevents me from being restored to fellowship with God. And so the New Testament application for the last four minutes, and then I'll pick up more in the, in the invitation here, is here's what it takes to get back into fellowship with God. That's the whole purpose of the guilt, sac- of the guilt offering was they wanted to get back into relationship with God. And for us, it requires repentance. It requires confession of sin. It requires restitution. It requires sacrifice. And it requires restoration. Now, that sacrifice was made for us. So I don't have to make a guilt offering sacrifice anymore. Jesus was that guilt offering sacrifice. But I still have to repent. I still have to acknowledge that sin and confess that sin, right? If I sin in a public fashion, I have an obligation to confess in a public fashion. Sometimes we don't want to do that because, well, I'm ashamed at what I did, right? I'll just let everybody think that I live that way all the time now, right? No, the purpose of confessing in a public fashion is so that I know that you have turned your life around, that you're back in fellowship with God. I don't want to get off on that subject too long, but then... You have Jesus talking about Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Remember, he talks about that there's a sacrifice and you're bringing your gift to the altar. And then you remember, oh yeah, my brother has ought. Oh, I've, I have, I'm, I'm at odds with my brother. Lay your gift down right there and go resolve that problem beforehand. Because you need to get that problem taken care of. Fix the problems, then offer the sacrifices, right? In Zacchaeus, in Luke chapter 19, which... Um, Jim mentioned a moment ago. Zacchaeus, you know, we sing the song, he's a wee little man. Right, well, I don't care about how tall he is. What I care about is what he does afterwards. When Jesus says, come down, and they're like, how can you eat with this guy? He's like, if I've taken from anybody, I'm going to pay it back. Plus, I'm going to give them, I think it was four times, if I remember correctly, whatever it was I stole from them. So here he is making restitution plus... That penalty. Now, he did more than 20% when he's offering four times. But you see the heart that's involved in Zacchaeus there. And there's a reason why Jesus responded the way he did when Zacchaeus responded the way he did. Right? 1 John chapter 1. Turn there. I'm still in Hebrew. So turn to 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, look in verse 8. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's the confession that's going on. There's the repentance that's occurring. And if you read just a few verses before that, that's talking about Jesus' blood that cleanses us who have been washed in that blood, that, that continual cleansing that goes on there. James chapter 5, verse 16, that also lays out the importance of confession. But when you think about the sacrifice that was made, go look at Isaiah chapter 53. And I know that we're supposed to be... Um, uh, that we're supposed to be in the old in the New Testament uh, because I've moved over there. But uh, Isaiah 53 verses 10 and 11. And I want to read it out of uh, I'll read it out of the um, I'll read it out of the NET. Though the Lord desired to crush him and make him ill, once restitution is made, he will see descendant and enjoy long life. And the Lord's purpose will be accomplished through him. Having suffered, he will reflect on his work, and he will be satisfied when he understands what he's done. My servant will acquit many, for he carried their sins. So there's several concepts in there. Restitution is made in that sacrifice. This is talking about Jesus here in Isaiah 53. So Jesus is making restitution. Jesus is um, suffering. He is um, paying the penalty. And he is, um, there is talking about acquittal or justify, making right, bearing our iniquities. And so he gives his soul as an offering for these trespasses, and God will see his sacrifice and be satisfied therewith. So I asked the question earlier, how much money do you have to give for your sin, right? Well, Jesus' sacrifice was more than sufficient, was way more than what you owed plus 20%. It was way more than that. Jesus was the guilt offering, and then there are five verses that I'll mention that you can write down, and then we'll have the invitation, is Romans chapter 3, verse 25, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. All of those talk about Jesus being our propitiation, right? That atoning sacrifice, the same sacrifice that's being offered in the guilt offering. And the sin offering. And so the concept that we're going to have, well, we'll talk about it in the invitation. So the guilt offering existed in the Old Testament to address where we have taken something that we did not, that did not belong to us. We have to make restitution for what we've stolen. And then we have to have atonement for the sin that we've committed either against our brother or against our, uh, the Lord or both. Thank you for your attention.